1: Hello everybody and welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. Ronald Koeman out, David Unsworth in, but for how long? We're here to discuss that and much more. I'm Phil Kirkbride, the Everton reporter, joined by Ian Doyle and Chris Beasley. Doyle, straight to you because mm. you were at Chelsea last night at Stamford Bridge to watch the audition, the first audition perhaps of David Unsworth for the job of permanent Everton manager. Shoots of recovery or more of the same?
2: Well, it was definitely a shoot to recovery. It was very strange in a way because at the end of it, basically, Everton had lost a cup game, a route to silverware had gone in a game where, certainly on the strength of the chances that they had, they could easily have taken it to extra time, quite possibly could have won. So from that sense, it was a disappointment. But when the the uh, players and David Unsworth went to the away end after the game, they got a tremendous reception. It's completely different to the reception that the, the team got on Sunday when, again, they lost to a London team. I mean, there were... A, there were positives to take. I mean, it's it's difficult in some ways to gauge just how positive they are. I mean, I know mm. that I wrote I wrote, um, I wrote the, the, the verdict from the game, and it, you know you could get a sense that the fans were a lot more positive about the way things were going. But well, it, it's early days. Well, let me read you a
1: passage from your oh, set, you. said yes. verdict. Here. For anybody who hasn't read it yet, <laughs> and you should do because it's very good. The David era, uh, David Unsworth era may have started in the same way the Ronald Coomer one ended with defeat to London opposition. This mm. though felt different. It looked different. It. In capital letters was different. Now you don't
2: often get capital letters in reports. So I'll tell
1: you that. I mean, look, making a little joke of the serious point. It was a, it was an interesting lineup, perhaps one with an eye on Leicester on Sunday, but we'll come to that. How how different was the feel though about everything, and did it look like an Everton team you would more recognise than the
2: one you saw in the past couple of weeks? Well, it was more like an Everton team that you'd have recognised the last couple of years, mm. and partly because. You know, it wasn't exactly rocket science. Everybody who was playing was put in their actual positions where they used to play You know, Wayne Rooney played up front, Morales was out left, Lennon came in, went on the right, you know, McCarthy came back in, played played um, centre mid. So all the players were playing in positions where they didn't have to think too much about it because it was second nature to them and that helped in a way. I mean, there was more energy because they did pick these kind of players who either had a point to prove, mm. or, or certainly in the, the case of McCarthy and Lennon, had been desperate for a chance all season. OK, now McCarthy's been injured, so he'd been super keen to get on there. And it, he put everything out there for an hour. David Unsworth mentioned afterwards he was always going to play just for an hour, and it was, you know, because he knew that, he just went for it. First minute to, to the 60th minute. There was more energy, there was more pressing. David Unsworth did mention that afterwards, saying he wanted a, a, a pressing game, and He's, he did certain ways that he wanted it being played. He said it wasn't perfect, but how could it be? He's only you know, taken a couple yeah. of training sessions, if that. But from that point of view, it was more a performance that, while it was another defeat, and we can't overlook that fact, it was defeat with honour, but still a defeat. Chris, I, I know mm-hmm. you
1: weren't at the game, but I can still ask you this. Mm-hmm. Everton's history with the League Club is, as we all know, nobody needs a yeah. how how terrible mm-hmm. that is. Somebody said to me last night, I had a message of somebody who said, I can't believe the team he's picked. We've never won this competition. If we'd have gone strong as possible, you know, you beat Chelsea. Yeah. It's another major player out of the competition. Why has he not gone strong? But you've looked at the eleven or seen some of the players that were involved last mm-hmm. night. Did you? Th- were you surprised? Or are you thinking, Unzi's picked the team there, and that is a sign that Sunday at Leicester yeah. and three points is actually more important to... Everton right now and probably Unzi's thinking it's probably more important to me getting a chance
0: of the job permanently yeah if we're going to be ultra cynical perhaps it was almost that was prioritised the, the Premier League game uh, Chelsea away was. we don't want to be getting into far Moshiri expected defeat territory <laughs> yeah. but Maybe he was looking at, at the weekend and, and the, the Leicester City trip. So, yeah, I think it was a bit of that and a bit of, like Ian alluded to, players with a, a point to prove, um, bringing in a, a young lad for his debut, bringing in a couple of players who've been not frozen out, but have been um, short of opportunities. And it was it was a chance to give um, players who he felt would would make an impact. And perhaps on the ones who didn't play, give them something of a, a kick up the backside and um, mm. uh, possibly bring them back at the weekend.
1: Mm.
0: One name, um,
1: Doyley, just very quickly, and you could pod all about him, probably uh, uh, nothing else. Um, you were at Unzi's presser for the yes. head of the game. And you mentioned David Classen, because he wasn't involved at all last night.
2: There was no mention of him. Um, just thought at it was least, interesting. least, least it, not that I can remember. Because he, tra- sure he trained with the team,
1: did he not? I just thought his mission was quite interesting.
2: Well, I can see where you're coming from and there were some people this morning who were saying that what does this mean for his future that he didn't get in that central midfield but he's an attacking midfielder so there was only one place going for him there and I think the way Everton set up they did have three Okay, Tom Davis is a more progressive player than yeah. than, than Beningamy and, uh, and McCarthy but he's not quite the attacking force that Classen that is normally certainly has been with Ajax so in that respect I'm not surprised he didn't play maybe surprised he wasn't on the bench but maybe he is somebody who's been saved for for the game at the, at the weekend, I would like to point out that surely, if Everton beat Chelsea yep. last night, that's a bigger deal than playing Leicester and winning because it's a step nearer to Wembley and it's a, it's a, I So think, I I don't think that I think that was, it, po- that
1: was the point that the person who texted me mm-hmm. back was trying yeah. to make. Yeah,
2: I mean I, I see where you're coming from with that, I, I th- but I don't think he's cut. You know, Wandsworth hasn't cut off his nose to, to spite his face. Mm. There, I don't think he was trying to prove any points with his team selection. I think he genuinely thought this was a team that could do a job. Yeah.
1: And I suppose you know from all accounts in the second half certainly did it did uh, certainly a type of job. Um, the caretaker manager is due to meet the chairman and Fahad Mashiri on Friday, which was always planned. We will see him on Friday as well. But Doyle, if you were in that meeting, if you were with Farhad and the chairman, how would you be? What would you be saying to him? Are you imagine it would be a very upbeat meeting?
2: If I was David Unsworth, if, no, if, if you were there as well, man yeah, if, that I was, table. if I was there, yeah. Um, yeah, it would be upbeat. I mean, the the fact is that I can't see Unzi getting anything less than the next three games. I think they're going to take it through to the the international break. It would be amazed if he didn't. Mm. It gives him a little bit of a chance. It also gives the players a chance to settle down a little bit. But he can be steadying influence. I think we've got to forget, can't forget Everton in the relegation zone at the yeah. moment. Yeah. The only one thinks two of the last fourteen is yeah. it. So the form is 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 not good, and I think that's something that they need to address probably sooner than they actually getting a new manager because that could take a while and it's a big decision you've got to get it right it's always difficult getting a new manager in during the you know midway through a season but they've got somebody there Dave with who's had experience you know, being in the dugout whether it be at under 23s or Kurt taking manager one game with Everton before now. I think Preston he did it as well yeah. for, a, for a while so he's got that experience he knows the team he knows the fans knows the players he knows the younger players as well so he knows which ones are, are coming through and which ones he can count on so from that respect it's a bit of a, a no-brainer I don't see any reason why did want to upset that apple cart over the the next few weeks. So, if I was in on the meeting, I'd be saying, you know, Unzi, well done, good start. You know, now you're right. You've you've got the fans back on side. The yeah. players seem to be enjoying themselves. Now let's get some wins. As you said, you, in your, in a, a piece from from Unzi uh,
1: last night, you know, interesting. He said, and we reconnected with the fans. I felt they were brilliant with the players, which was pretty telling, wasn't it? Yeah,
2: I mean, I don't think he meant it in the way that kind of it's come across, but it's still the point, mm. if you're reconnecting with something that means that you weren't connected with it yeah. at some point uh, and you'd have to say by the end of the, the Ronald Koeman era, things had got very fractured between the, the fans and the team and that kind of th- always happens when a team's struggling and you've, there's certain players who, for whatever reason, whether it's their own form, their own confidence or where they're stuck in the team, they're just not performing and mm. it's it, you know the fans always take out the frustrations and it was interesting, by the way on Sunday... That while they were jeers at the end of the game, an awful lot of fans just went out beforehand, partly because they just didn't want to jeer the team. Mm. They just wanted to make their own kind of protest that ah, this isn't good enough. Yeah. We're going. Yeah. Well, I think was... has got
0: has what got going for him, and um, what he should play up upon is his um, Everton connections. Because what often happens with a manager when a managerial reign comes to an end, people want something a bit different. So. The problem with Cooman was this disconnect with the club. He was never close to the Evertonians. Nobody ever thought that he truly knew the club or appreciated what it was all about. So, as Unsworth is the polar opposite of that, you can play up his Everton connections, former Everton player, long serving Everton player over two spells. Obviously, Everton coach, he have been come through the ranks at Everton as yeah. a youngster as well. So, whereas um, you didn't add in the past, David Moyes, when he finished, he was accused of being too negative. So you bring in Roberto Martinez, who's very attack-minded. Martinez is Mr. Nice Guy, so when it turns sour for him, Cooman is the um, cold, strong, business-like, cold, business-like, like you say, yeah. And so whereas Kuman is seen as not understanding Everton, David Unsworth understands Everton. So he's got that in his favour. People always want something different, especially if it ends sour, obviously with with Ronald getting the chop there, the p- he, he can... Be a sort of different kind of personality.
1: Do you sense then, Chris, that that's the way they're going to go? we'll just run you down some very familiar mm-hmm. names. I'm sure, you know, Bucky's favourites and people that naturally have been in the frame. Although, you know, we suspect Everton they're going to use this time as, as, as Doyle mentioned, to really make a, a sort of, a really considered decision. Ancelotti, Daish Tuchel, Aladice, Marco Silva. None of those have got Everton connections. So. Are we, uh, you know, are those names completely preposterous? Are they completely wide of the mark, or is it a reality that, unfortunately, maybe is the romantic choice would be Unsworth because of his Everton connections? The club still have to look beyond the walls yeah. of Finch Farm. Yeah. Unfortunately,
0: it's an interesting one at uh, where the club are at just just now about who they should be going in for in in that respect. Because if we're going to be brutally honest. David Unsworth probably wouldn't get a managerial job at any other Premier League club, but that's not to say he couldn't, in time, become yep. so a really successful. Think, really
2: Premier. So, say I'd say the Brighton job came up or Bournemouth, he would. If he went in for it, he wouldn't be considered. I,
0: I think he's got. I don't think he would. He would. I think he's got on his for, on a plus point of view. He has won that Premier League too. Yeah. With Everton, with the under twenty-three, so he he's he's been successful at what he's done. But I I think he would struggle to get another Premier League job so you've got that but it doesn't necessarily think, mean he can't in time become a good Absolutely, Premier League manager Zinedine yeah. Zidane I think same with Pep Guardiola That's was it right, Barcelona yeah. when he started they were reserve team coaches who stepped up okay with massive resources yeah but yeah They're two you, best, you, best teams best yeah, players, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, two slightly clubs. better players yeah, yeah.
1: have other best <laughs> team the world. yeah, well,
0: yeah. But, but it's hard isn't it there's so much money there's so much expectation in the Premier League now to bring somebody in from within house is seen as, as a risk, as a significant risk, and I know that Pat Nevin was speaking this week, the former Everton player, he was saying that our Everton should be scarring the world for a big-name a big name manager, but wasn't Ronald that to a,
2: to a certain I'm extent? Glad, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, yeah. because I don't think the big-name manager makes a big deal anymore. I know that's why Everton brought Ron Koeman in, in the first place, but there's so much money. It's the money that makes the decision now. Well, it's, it's, it's persuasive to these players, sorry. and... I think if Everton offered whichever player quite a lot and it's a team that's winning and David Unsworth happens to be the manager, the player's not going to go, oh, I'm not going there because of David Unsworth.
1: Well, also, I was the question I was going to pose, which kind of dovetails, is uh, do Everton have to prioritise at the minute Premier League experience, somebody who knows the league really well and can operate in the league and has proven they can operate in the league, or do they still chase the name, do they still chase somebody who's got European experience? And that's star quality, because when Mashiri came in, Kuman was the one he wanted. It was the star name. It was, you know, the, the Hollywood, you know, the Northwest is the Hollywood of football managers and all that sort of stuff. Do you ever almost have to go back to where they were, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, whatever it was, and they're looking at somebody who's done the Premier League before, is less high profile
2: I don't think so, because I think if you look at Everton's position, as much as it, people are going to say, oh, well, that's the position they're in, it's a false position, Everton shouldn't be down in 18th. When yeah. the season finishes, it won't be anywhere near 18th, yeah. let's be honest. That's why, that's probably why Koeman's gone now, because they've expected an awful lot more. And it's not because they're worrying about going down, it's because they thought they'd be way further, yeah. Yeah. further up the league. I think, I'm not sure whether Everton moved because of what happened at Leicester. Leicester got rid of Craig Shakespeare, and perhaps they thought, well, hang on, they might nick Nick, One of these managers that we might be mm. thinking of, and in the end, they've got Claude Puel. who mm. I'd imagine raised a few eyebrows. Exactly, to be yeah. Excess, I'm not sure whether that's going to work out, and certainly, I'm not sure I not fans would be too happy if he was the person who had replaced yeah. Ronald Koeman at any point. That's no slight on Claude Puel, but that's just the way it is, unfortunately, after his experience at Southampton. Um, big name manager. The thing is, is that if you're not going to get a big name manager, you may as well stick with David Unsworth. So, that is the choice. So it's black and white. That's what I think. I think so. You look at Sean Dyche and he's done a very good job at Burnley, and we're not just talking this season. He, no, he he got them up, went down, and they came back up again. They've stayed up, and now they're getting better this season. And he'll probably do a good job somewhere, and he may end up being Everton manager in the future. But I don't think this is the right time for him.
1: But Chris Sean Dyche, yeah, he's he's done it at the Premier League level. You keep a team up on limited resources. Give him a load more money and a better <laughs> team of players. He can do better, can he?
0: Yeah, he certainly got a lot out of Michael Keane as well, didn't he? He's a um, he, he developed him, and then he, he's probably the most attractive of the candidates. after the of the unattractive, a, yeah. <laughs> after the after the glamour choices, I know. I was speaking to um, Elton Wellesby a couple of weeks ago when Ronald was still in the job, and uh, he, as he predicted, he, he didn't think Ronald would last, and he and he called him out. And said, "Yeah, I'd like, I'd like Dyke." Um, he said he claimed he's a man with. No ego. I'm not too sure about that one. <laughs> he's, he's never but, spoken to clearly. <laughs> um, do he's done. He's done great at Burnley, like we said, keeping them up on on a shoestring, and they've never really looked in any sort of danger at all about relegation, despite their, their limited resources. Um, I, I like Daish um, a lot. I'm I'm not sure ultimately whether this is the time. I suppose it's up to David Unsworth to to make the. The, the board make the decision that they, they've got to go with him. He will get a few games now, I, I, I suspect. And, you know, if, if, he do, if he does well, he kind of makes the decision for them. Certainly, possibly to the end of the season and maybe see how it goes.
1: So people have said, with regards to something like Daish, and I know Big Sam's name's been mentioned, obviously, as somebody who's close to Steve Walsh, so naturally he would get linked. People have said about Daish, he'll only take us so far. But again, playing devil's advocate, are Everton now in a situation, and in modern football generally, that managers, the shelf life of a Premier League manager is so short mm. that as Ronald Koeman has found out, that actually you bring somebody like Dysh in and he gets you back up to where you should have been and, and organise, he gets you he gets the team in shape again. And I've, and they've got so much money generally in football and the club have got obviously the ability to, you know, sack managers and, and pay them off and, and hire somebody else that they could just then go for somebody in a, in a more high profile who then takes them on again. I mean, can you do
2: that? I don't know. Well, Sean Dice if he took the job, wouldn't be thinking No, that I'm about, not saying they'd the pitch that to him. Well, if, if they're just... looking at the bigger picture, then why not get the man in now that they want, rather than have somebody who'd be... What you're, what you're suggesting there is that in their minds, that it's a holding manager, as yeah. it were. That's what somebody I'm saying. People are saying, air. where does he
1: take us after we finish seventh well,
2: this, again? This is, that's what the board have to decide, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Everton, for the most part, over the past 10 11, 12 years, they've been top 7, top 8. Quite under Moyes for a certain yep. bit, they were always mm. top 6. And Martin, as they finished, what was it, fifth in the first season? Did. A bit of a fall off in the last two seasons. Again, Coomer comes in, there's that jump. And to be as close as they were to the top 6, who are, you know, whether we like it or not, they are the top 6 for a reason. They've got the most money and they've got the better players. This, that, you know, being best, the rest isn't isn't that bad. And we're expecting, obviously, to to start competing a bit with that. In terms of getting them back up, I don't think it would. T- I actually genuinely don't think it would take that much for him to get back up to that no. position seventh. It's getting from seventh into the sixth that's the hmm. issue. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think getting in a holding manager, someone like Sean Dyche, I don't. If that's all they wanted to do, again, just keep David Unsworth in yeah. charge.
1: Obviously, we don't we don't know Ancelotti, but what would your hunch say? Would he take it? No.
2: Would be my hunch. I because think, of the I lack th- of what would ultimately be more, the lack of Europe it, or lack of Champions League. Anyway, I think you look at the teams that he's already managed PSG. AC Milan Real Madrid Bayern Munich Bayern Munich, Chelsea more massive Champions League teams and Everton not at the moment maybe not for a few years they're not going to be a big Champions League team and also I think Ancelotti might be thinking Everton don't want a manager like Ancelotti somebody who is coming towards the end of his managerial career than the beginning of it and he'd be taking a job that's a lesser one than one he's had before You're you suggesting it would lack, it'd be a lack of motivation? Well it depends That's the big risk. That's the big risk. That's the big risk. I'm sure you go to, you know, people will go to the likes of Bramford, PSG, and not demand a huge wage. But if he went to Everton, he'd probably think, oh, I would would like
0: a... I mean, I'm I'm second-guessing what what he's
2: thinking here. And I'm not picking on just him, Mm. but it's all that kind of manages that ilk, which is where Thomas Tuchel or Tuchel or however you pronounce it. He's different because he's still young. Yeah. But he's never managed in England again. Ancelotti has managed in England already, so he probably yeah, just yeah. need to tick that one off. Got sacked at Goodison, of course. Didn't he, he did. Yeah, so probably wouldn't yes. want be, to come back. No, <laughs> 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 to the corridor, Simone wasn't Beckford, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he'd be different. I mean, Ancelotti, I can't see why he would want to come. Mm. He just doesn't. He'd, he'd become if he did come, and it wasn't for the money. That would be he'd be doing it for himself to prove a point to whoever, maybe just to himself. Yeah. which in that case would be good for Everton. Mm, of course, do you, do you need a manager coming in. Who wants to prove something?
1: Mm. We're obviously trying to look forward and look to who will be the new permanent manager of Everton Football Club. But Ronald Koeman uh, last night, I think it came out, uh, giving an interview in Holland to Football International. Um well, and, well pronounced. Thank you. Uh, and amongst you know quite a lengthy interview, uh, one quote Chris was: "I yeah. had Olivier Giroud in the building, but that was hard to swallow when he obviously yeah. turned around and changed his mind." He also points in this interview to the fixture list, Um, are these reasonable, you know, is it reasonable mitigation, reasonable reasons, excuses if you want to be harsh
0: for the way it's gone? You know, is Ronald right to to highlight these things? I think so, it's absolutely massive. Uh, If you look at Everton's recruiting over the summer, it was really exciting while it was happening. um, Players coming in all the time, but it's almost, I've used this analogy before, like they built a beautiful new house and then left the roof off. (laughs) Not <laughs> um, replacing Romelu Lukaku, um, the way Sigurdsson dragged on as well. I mean, that 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 could have just brought everything together if that had happened. Ronald would probably still be in a job, Everton would probably be much higher up the table. In in many ways, I think Giroud would actually be more suited to playing in that Everton team than yeah. he is in the Arsenal team. He still does a sterling job for them. I think that they could have played to his strengths. Ronald will want to protect his. Reputation and probably fair enough, you know, if he, like you said, if he had, how galling it must have been if he had Olivier Giroud in the building, whether it I presume he means Finch Farm yeah, or yeah. whatever, um, not getting that deal over the line. And he would, the way O'Cooleman operated more as like a continental first team coach, maybe we've also got to point fingers and have question marks at other people within the club um, of not getting that deal over the line. It must have been absolutely massive. How did you just quickly emotionally? How did you
1: feel about the news on Monday? When were you relieved, sad? I found the whole
0: the whole thing from where we were even at the start of the summer surreal. I thought it well. I suppose in many ways it did escalate quickly because of um, the the increased expectations of all that spending. Oh, it was Everton's biggest summer of spending, of course. Ronald mitigates that with the the net spend and the fact they lost Lukaku, but. All these new players coming in. He was used to it at Southampton. To be fair, he'd done a good job there, having to mould a lot of new players into an effective team. I actually thought there was an, an air of inevitability after the last few games. Me um, and myself were down at Brighton, and then we had um, Leon. I, I didn't see Arsenal. I was I was away, but it it was becoming almost unwatchable at the end. Um, they, there was just no sort no sort of pattern of play. What were they? They weren't a pressing team. They weren't um, a, a quick team. They, they didn't seem to have any sort of identity, and I think that, that was the problem. Nobody seemed to know what they were doing, and it, and it was really awful to watch. Doyle then, I've just on what Chris has said. Which, which three,
1: four, five players have to start at Leicester on Sunday to ensure that, as Chris says, Everton Press, they're watchable, they've got an identity?
2: Oh, That's a good question, actually. You've become a journalist? Right. Yes. <laughs> um, Give me three then. If, okay, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, three, the the long first long for three names are
1: outfield players on
2: the team sheet. Well, the ones that i pick, I'd put James McCarthy in there again. Right, interesting. He's one. I'd definitely have him in there, uh, which then leaves you with the decision of whether to play Gay or Schneider alongside him. i I definitely have... Definitely have um, oh, it's a tough one, you see. You've, you've thrown this one on me. And <laughs> no, I'd definitely have McCarthy in. I'd have Tom Davis in. Yeah. And one of the wingers and... Judging by how they played in the second half, I'd probably keep Morales in, and I know he was—he was just non-existent in the first half at Chelsea. He literally, <laughs> you were there was, terrible on maybe you playing the, again. No, there was one point where I, I Wait, just don't man. think he touched the ball for about 15 minutes. Yeah. But the second half, no matter, I don't know what happened. Second half, he was an awful lot better. But right. I suppose in some ways that's just Kim Morales' entire goodness and career <laughs> yeah. in in one game. Yeah, you know, goes disappears, then just at the time you think, oh, that's it, makes a comeback and does quite well.
1: Chris. If you you know three players, your first three outfield players on the team sheet.
0: Wow,
1: um, so he's got a bit more time talent.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I did um, see the game, but uh, I, I think that Phil Phil Jagielka has um, they they've missed they've missed his his influence at the times mm-hmm. he, he hasn't been playing. I know it's been it's been up and down for, for all of them. Um, Interesting what um, Ian says about uh, um, James McCarthy. Like I said, I didn't see the Chelsea game, but if he, if he was as good as as, as Ian says, it, it's a, it's a real interesting one because that dynamic with Adrissa Gay and Schneidlin just hasn't been working the way it was mm-hmm. working second half of last season. So something needs to change. So maybe um, go along with him on on that one. Um, like I mean, it's, it's not it's not rocket science, but Le- Leighton Baines has got, has got to be. Yeah, and there's just there's just no alternatives. So. It, been a bit of a struggle actually. Yeah. Last night right. because the
2: Zappacosta, I think we yeah, were right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Zappacosta, he did really well for Chelsea. Good Certainly first half, he's. Got, I'm surprised he doesn't play more often, to be mm. honest, for them. But he was proper overworked, and I think it was when Morales came more into the game, then Baines was aided a bit because he was getting a little bit overrun. Because John Joe Kenny played last night. Yeah, played against Arsenal at the the weekend, and I, fe- I felt a bit sorry for him, to be honest, because. He was playing right wing back. Yeah. He would just come back from an injury which he'd, he'd suffered on in Arsenal. I I think he had his knee drained or something, something yeah. like that? And he had no protection because he is the wing back. Rooney was the meant to be cr- right side, yeah, he's. Meds. But obviously he's playing more, more, yeah, more of course, Crumbs. Yeah. And uh, Arsenal quickly doubled up on him with uh, with Kus, what's his name? Kus, 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 him. Oh, the this, Ser, the big Serb, left the big back, Serb yeah, lad. Yeah. And Sanchez. It's like that's <laughs> tough for job. any defender, let alone somebody's making yeah. his Hardly first Premier League Yeah. yeah. But he was back, he'd say he's in right back, uh, right back, sorry, at uh, Chelsea. Aaron Lennon came in and certainly in the first half, his main job was to protect mm. John Joe. And, and the pair of them between them did a very good job. And uh, Aaron Lennon's second half managed to get a bit more further upfield. You know, John Joe put in a good cross. I think it, I think it was for the uh, Morales knockdown and uh, Rooney shot saved by Cavaliero. Uh, I think the pair of them did okay.
1: M- neither of you mentioned... The man who got the highest rating. Hmm. That's because uh, none of us want to pronounce his name. Benny Benny. Benny We'll call him Benny. Played well by all accounts. Very well by all accounts.
2: Played well. I mean, he was the name that none of us expected. Uh, obviously, Schneidlin was unwell. Things yeah. on the day of the game. Because he was, certainly wasn't in the team the, the night before. But, you know, Unzi knows him, had no problems throwing him in. It was interesting that there was a, a couple of other players who could have been thrown in that weren't. Um, but maybe that is perhaps an example of looking ahead to the yeah. rest again. yeah. yeah. But, yeah, yeah. He's, from the first, first whistle, he was, you know, he wasn't the best bit about it, he wasn't running around like a headless chicken. Mm. That was what was the most impressive thing, was you see all the, these youngsters coming, and he's like, oh, I need to make an impression, and they're just, like, racing around yeah, everywhere, yeah. flying in with tackles. He didn't do that, just got the ball, made some interceptions, made an impact really early on, settled into the game. First half, he just did what he what he had to do. Yeah. Then the start of the second half, it was his tackle on... Uh, Chelsea youngster, another name who I'm not going to pronounce. That <laughs> um, who I thought was David Louise at one point. Um, <laughs> he, uh, Details, are key, yes. de- you know, de- he devil was, in the detail. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can tell he was Welsh and seventeen. I can tell ah. you that. Yeah. Um, he put in a really strong tackle. You know, one of those tackles where it's you can hear it. You can hear it <laughs> around the ground. Everyone like, oh, and everyone. It's funny now because football fans now you hear that sound and you go, that's a foul. Right. You go, that's a foul and. Then you saw the replay and you went, he's got the ball first. Okay, yeah. maybe studs were showing a little bit. And perhaps he caught the player possibly with the ball rather than his foot. Because mm. it was such a strong challenge. He was down. You know, the player got up in the end. It's the kind of tackle you don't see too often. But David Unsworth esque. Well, David <laughs> Unsworth esque. And uh, yeah, after, the game, after the game, and you'd know a bit more. Mini about... Rhino. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would you call a mini Rhino? A hippo? No. No, it's a different animal. A different... <laughs> <laughs> Can't move on. Anyway, um, you'd know a bit more about this. Because you see a lot of the uh, lot more of the under twenty threes than we do, but Unzi said afterwards that he was asked the question about that tackle. And he says, "Oh, you know, it, it, that's mm. what he does. You know, and if he plays more often, yeah. Everton, just have to get used to seeing that." But that tackle kind of, you know, you know what it's like with with Everton fans. They do like stuff like that. Got them going. Got yeah. the team going. It yeah. was from that point on. Did that kind it, of slice yeah. through the comfort, yeah. you know, the tension a little bit, maybe? Yeah, and... I mean, they'd already started to do a little bit better in the second half, but once that tackle went in. Everybody was proper up for it after that. Mm. Yeah, and that's where they could have easily got the equaliser. He could have easily won the game, to be honest with the chances they had. And
1: just finally, before we wrap up uh, for this week's uh, Royal Blue podcast, Doily, he, just just a quick word, because obviously the, the man we're all talking about at the moment is Unzi. What was he like on the touchline? I see him for the under-23s a lot. He's He off. did not sit down. Yes, he was he stood up
2: the entire time. He didn't do a lot of shouting. Right, A lot of, lot of like, screaming shouting. But he did a lot of... You know, motioning and you know pointing out individual players. He did a lot of. Uh, did he cajol- a lot of that,
1: that clumsy crouch where he's really like encouraging. To yeah, press yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. Um,
2: he did. He, he was cajoling. Um, certainly, Tom Davis at one point and John Joe Kenny. Yeah, but then that's to, to be. Yeah, that's to be understood. It's quite for, natural. It, for anybody
1: listening who would not know the, the vantage point we have at Stamford Bridge, it's right behind it is, the dugouts yeah. yeah. and it's fascinating. So you get a great view of, of what's going but on. But he
2: literally did not sit down at any point. Yeah. No points whatsoever. He stood up the entire time. To be fair, you know, Antonio Conte did as well. quite interesting before then, actually. Conte gave him this massive hook, like one where it's you thought, mm, that's gone a bit too long. <laughs> it was, like, <laughs> it was like, awkward. <laughs> it was a proper big, proper big bear hook. Um, before we go any further, though, Philip Kirkbride, mm. um What's been your take then? Because obviously you've been away, being busy, some some wedding or something. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> anyway, you um and went. Mm. What was your take on it then? Uh, after
1: seeing the results uh, against Arsenal and reading all the stuff and and getting a sense of 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 sort of how sluggish and lifeless it had all been, and I think you may have, you know, your piece from the press conference where you said, "Write what you want." and I remember I I sent a message to somebody back home and I said, sounds like the final nail in the coffin, that to me. Um, I was disappointed. Um, I guess, as as I said before, I found this past three and a half months, four months, surreal.
2: In what sense In the sense
1: that he came in, he whipped the team into shape, I thought he was doing a really good job. The summer started off really promising and encouraging with with the players they were signing, the money they were spending, the speed at which they were doing their work. And then, you know, early start of season with Rosomberok, etc., and they were kind of getting through it. And you know, when it when against Stoke, good performance at City. Things slowed, and I you know ups and downs, difficult start, and all of that. But then it unravelled, didn't it? And it, and, I, and I thought, I believed that there was that Ronald was still going to be able to get them out of it until you know again. I did, I wasn't at Lyon because I wasn't around, but that didn't sound great because of the fact that Leon came back and scored late on. and then,
2: It showed a bit more fight in that game to be fair well, to Well Quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I, I, I was disappointed. I'm, I was. I totally understand now given the way things were going why the club have acted. I'm never comfortable with managers losing the job after sh- such a short, short space of time given as well the relative success of the season before but it was obviously, you know, even from thousands of miles away, I could I could sense from what I was reading, and and, and sense that there was people had
2: given up on on this era. Um, so, do you think it's fair that Cooman is carrying the can for the recruitment when it's not just him? Well, I don't does, think does he is. Fully. you don't think it's
1: no. I, th- I think most Evertonians would appreciate that it's not just him. The structure of the football club has changed, mm. and Ronald was. Yeah, of course, he's not without blame because he's involved as well. But I think the fact that he was publicly and honestly from very early in the summer talking about striker, left-sided defender, striker, left-sided defender. It's not its not just on him, is it? Um, but the, you know, the club aren't going to sack themselves, so to speak. You aren't going to get Steve Walsh, the chairman, Farhad and Ronald going, right, we're all off. <laughs> we haven't got a strike. It's, unfortunately, Ronald carries the can in that respect because he's the first one to go, isn't he? His,
2: it's his head that rolls. Um, he probably earns the most money as well.
1: Well, indeed. I still think he's a, he's a very good manager. I think he did. He was whatever needed exactly what they needed last season. I still believed up until a point he was what they needed. I still think, as I say, I still think he's he's got. A, he has a lot to offer wherever he goes and wherever he finds himself. But he just couldn't find a way. And unfortunately, modern football dictates, rightly or wrongly, that you can't wait around. Um, I was disappointed, but I appreciate that the club had to, uh, had to
2: act. I'm not going to take over your podcast, by the way. I've just got one more question yeah. to do with to do with Unzi. Mm. I mean, you obviously have had a lot of dealings with him over yeah. the last 18 months. How do you see him going as caretaker manager and do you think he's got what it takes to become the full-time manager? Not whether Everett will I've appoint no, not whether Yeah, appoint I've, him, I've never whether,
1: seen anything other than... Nothing, none of the evidence that he's presented me with in terms of the way his teams play, the fact that he's had success at under-23 slash under-21 level, nothing suggests that he couldn't and won't become an excellent manager. Um, you know what you're going to get from his teams, which which will go down well. We'll see, hopefully, in the next few games, continue to go down well with the Goodison faithful. I like him. I think he's great to deal with. He's a top fella. Um so, you know, all of that, there's nothing to doubt. But again, he he will not be naive enough or he will never turn around and go, I can't believe you said that. But it's the lack of what would be unnerving, if you like, or slightly concerning for anybody is he's never done it at the pre- He's never been a Premier League manager. Has he had that, you know, is being the coach of the under-23s enough of a grounding to then go and get one of the top jobs in English football? Because it is, it's, you know, it is one of the top jobs, isn't it? But I don't know. As I said, I think... His, his appointment would be the romantic one. Whether the club end up going for a romantic choice, only time will tell. It, look, he would admit himself he could you'd appreciate it. people would say, "Well, it's a gamble," which it would be. But you never know, dear.
2: I'll stop asking you questions. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you very <laughs>
1: much for listening. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. Myself, Phil Kirkbride, Ian Doyle, and Chris Beasley. So, until the next podcast next week, when we'll dissect Leicester and preview Leon Thank you very much for listening.